But hey, we should get back to Isaiah and just catch up on that last chapter and then the next one, please. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's a well-written battle chapter. Uh, you know, it's the kind of chaotic, intense energy we expect from Ellen Giroux at this point. Um, uh, Isaiah tries to get the black men to leave, tells them, like, you've done your part, just go. Um, because the, like, these Confederates will just slaughter you. They will not take you prisoner. Um, and Jacob's like, yeah, nah, we're staying. Um, and they just go back to digging to like continue their work. Um, and when the rebel cavalry charges, they actually like some of them fight by like hitting people with shovels. Um, uh, but there's a very quick gnarly fight. It's very clearly not all of the rebels. Um, because there, there's relatively few of them. Um, and, uh, it, this is, this is like a, a test, uh, combat to see how strong the Union people are, I guess. Um, uh, Isaiah gets shot but is saved by his belt buckle. Uh, he will not get so lucky twice. Um, but for now, he is saved. Um, and Joe Miller is also here to defend his land um, and has uh, changed his mind about uh, the black men. Um, they're clearly very determined. Uh, and you you need to arm them, train them, and let them fight because otherwise we're going to lose. Because we we gotta have a, a, a you know we can't let. He's a pragmatic racist. Yeah. Um. Just like oh well, these are some of the good ones, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one obstacle that Isaiah had, really, to mm-hmm. arming Jacob and the others is now gone. Yes. In fact, uh, me, and- the permission is granted. There are going to be no societal consequences. Congrats, mm-hmm. Isaiah. You did not need to grow a spine. <laughs> uh, so he arms them using the rifles um, from like the men who have died or are too ill to fight. Um, and so they put these uh, black men into training with uh, reins. Uh, one of the black men is written as just being extremely overeager and almost playing around with uh, this notion that he's finally armed. Um which makes Reigns use him as an example. Yeah, there's something almost very minstrelly about the writing yes. of this Samson uh-huh. character. I hate it. Yeah, it's very just like, oh, gee whiz. And it's like, mm, bad. Yeah. Um, and, and It's, it's and, a very, it's an exaggerated stereotype. Yes. And, and even to, even his accent is written out yeah. in the exaggerated stereotype. Um, it's fucking exhausting. Uh, but if, if, and it's a big if, if you can put that aside to 
what is actually happening in this scene, it's a pretty decent scene. If you can put that aside. Um, because, uh, this, uh, young a man. Good teacher as well. Yeah, Reigns, like... yes, Reigns is a good teacher. Um, and he kind of makes an example out of this young man named Samson, um, but not necessarily in a particularly malicious way, just in a, I need to ram home the seriousness of the situation way. Um, I think that's a fair way to describe it. Yeah. And, uh, Isaiah points out, like, look, you guys really have to pay attention because we, we, you could only have 10 rounds to practice shooting because we're so limited on ammunition. Um, and Reigns puts Sam, Samson through, like, kind of walks him through loading the gun, having to pour the pre-measured powder down into the barrel, rip up a patch of cloth, place a lead ball on it, stuff that down into the barrel, then take out a, powder, a, a, a charge percussion cap, stick that in uh, where the hammer is, pull back the hammer, and then aim and fire. It's a very involved process. Um, and he's able to do it the first time, and when he shoots, uh, he, act, he hits the target. He does really well for, uh, from 50 yards off. Um, but then Reigns is like, all right, reload now. Um, and is like shooting his revolver into the air in order to, you know, illustrate that you're going to have to be able to do this under fire. And with the sound of gunfire right next to your head. And while people around you are dying. And he makes Samson do this twice, and uh, each time Samson gets a little more clumsy because it's a distressing situation to be in, um, and adrenaline is really, really bad <laughs> at uh, fine motor control. Um, great for running, great for hitting, mm, not so much. Yeah, th that, which is why people always drop their keys trying to get into the car in the horror movie. is because adrenaline makes you extremely fucking clumsy. <laughs> um, uh, and after, like, three, these three attempts, uh, Reigns tells Samson, like, you can stop. And he's suddenly very calm. Um, and, you know, he explains, in the heat of battle, with guns firing in your ears and men exploding next to you, a good soldier can load and fire three shots per minute and make each of them count. Blood will splatter in your face, gentlemen. You may even take a bullet in the arm or leg, but you must fill your mind with only three words. Load, fire, reload. Uh, and then just continues to, uh, to train them for the rest of the day. Um, uh, so it's like, I certainly wish that the Samson wasn't written as a fucking walking stereotype because I think that this scene could have been very good. Uh, except that it it's- has to have this fucking caveat on it. Yeah. Um, and we cut back to Jake, um, who- 
basically sets the campers, the Trekkies, to helping the defense effort. Um, all of the Trekkies are extremely excited about meeting the Hork-Bajir, um, which uh, is, is a nice contrast to the conversation they were having earlier about worrying whether people would accept the Hork-Bajir. Um, because it's clear that, like, good people will obviously accept the Hork-Bajir. Um, one of the kids tries to take a picture, and Jake just, like, calmly reaches over, takes the camera out of the bag, rips the film out, and unspools it in the light to spoil all of it. <laughs> just, just great. It's just, like, secrecy. <laughs> um... Uh, then Jake goes to check up on the Animorphs building the dam. They're making pretty impressive progress, especially because the two actual beavers have just joined in helping, um, which is great. Uh, and then, and then we have this like thing where Jake has to tell them that he revealed himself to these Trekkies in order to help the hork And Rachel suddenly is like, what do you mean they know? Are you nuts? Um, and Jake is just like, drastic times call for drastic measures? <laughs> you used those words at the meeting yesterday. Oh, okay, I did. Thanks for listening. It's just <laughs> actually really great for Rachel. <laughs> um... Cassie's like, this could be the beginning of something big, the first volunteers. Um, Rachel's like, uh, this could encourage others to join the fight. And Marco is like, exactly the problem. Jake, who decided it was okay to make public appearances? And Jake is a little bitch back and says, well, you actually. <laughs> and that's not an accusation, it's a fact. When you told your dad about us, you did what you had to do and so did I. And Marco's trying to be like, it was different with my dad, maybe even with the sailors and the Marines on the aircraft carrier, but we don't even, we don't know these campers, who they work for, who they're related to, where they're from, which is, which are all true statements. <clears throat> and Jake is just like, uh, they show, they believed in aliens before Tobias and I even showed them anything. Um, don't, don't worry about it. Ha ha. Isn't it funny? Um, <laughs> and we get another, uh, as, as we have had the past three books, we get, uh, or the past two books, we get a, a little, a, a, a little interruption of our narrative, uh, in ominous bold words. The countdown has begun. It will all be over very, very soon. You know. I both love and hate these things because I don't know who it is is the problem <laughs> I mean there's I have two obvious guesses about who it could be but nevertheless I don't like it given that it's like one voice on one side and one so voice on the other like uh like you would see in like a play mm -hmm. uh, I have to assume it's Krayak and the Elamist like on either sides of their proverbial chess table um Either way, it gives me like um, the way the typeface changes and everything gives me big uh, death in the Discworld energy mm. with how mm -hmm. it's kind of visually presented. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so it does have this very ominous quality to it. Yeah. Uh, 
And in the middle of this conversation about like Jake making this decision for everybody, Axe is like, Prince Jake, time is running out. We need your help to finish the dam. Not a word about what I'd done with all that had happened between us, all that had gone down in this war. Axe still considered me his leader, still followed my orders and accepted my decisions. Not that it really mattered what Axe or anyone else thought, as long as they acted with loyalty, as long as they also understood that I'd already taken full responsibility for revealing us to the campers. Nobody else was to blame, not even Tobias. And I have two big-ass beefs with this paragraph. <laughs> like, one, you say nobody else was to blame, not even Tobias. Tobias didn't come up with the idea. You, you, you came up with the idea and also executed it. He was not involved in the process. He could never be blamed. <laughs> you can't say not even Tobias because that doesn't make any sense. And two, as long as they acted with loyalty. Since fucking when has any one of them been anything but loyal? Uh, it's such a weird fucking word to use in this context. Choose a different one, because what the fuck? <sighs> yeah, I suppose if they'd spent more words doing it, I guess, because it's like, I don't care if they argue as long as we all stand together in the end. Like, yeah. They don't have to understand what I did, but as long as they trust me. Mm -hmm. There are so many different ways that could have been written mm -hmm. to be less sh shitty. Yeah. Um, but Jake morphs Beaver to help with the remainder of the dam construction. He and Axe work together to take down a tree. Rachel moves the tree as a grizzly bear. It's fucking sick. Uh, and uh, they get this kind of last tree into position. And, and, and that's it. Um, and Tobias is here and he's like, is everything ready? And Axe is like, almost. Um, and Tobias is like, it better be because the Yerks are almost, uh, are less than an hour away and there are way more of them than we thought. Uh, so, you know, no pressure or anything. Uh, cut to Isaiah. It is dusk the night before Christmas. Um, and... There's still no sign of the Confederate army. Uh, he, there is a really nice little bit here where he goes out to the black men who um, are continuing to work at the earthworks to finish digging these trenches. And he just goes out to them and is like, uh, hey, do you want to be mustered in, sworn into the service as Union soldiers? Um, and the, the men are all eager to do this. Um, and so there's this very sweet scene where they all stand around and they recite after him the words to, uh, words of essentially allegiance to the United States and its yeah, army. The oath of muster, I think it's mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. described as. Um, I do solemnly swear that I will bear the true allegiance to the United States of America and that I will serve them honestly and faithfully against all their enemies and opposers whatsoever, and observe and obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me, according to the rules and articles for the government of the armies of the United States. 
So it's like a, really a very dry little speech, but all of the men are obviously very moved by this. Um, and, uh, you know, at the end of it, they're all jumping and cheering and singing um, and just proud to be uh, defending their freedom and the freedom of others like them in such a tangible way. Um, and there's, there's something to it, like they're being recognized as mm -hmm. soldiers. They're not like mm -hmm. working for them mm -hmm. in like in a way that they have for masters in the past. No, that's working. That's slightly, but that's not, that's not, regardless, it's like they're being put on the same level. They are free men mm -hmm. who are choosing to become part of the union. Yes. And again, it's about agency. It's about choice. It's about them defining who they are, not mm -hmm. being defined by other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. And we cut back to Jake, who um, they all kind of demorph, and he asks Tobias for a debrief. And Tobias is like, there's at least one company of blue band hork um, and there are almost as many taxons, and also Visser 1 is here. Visser 1 is always here. Uh, I, like, <laughs> I like Marco. It wouldn't be a party without the Earl of Evil. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so Tobias goes through announcing the news that the Yerks are coming. They're like, everyone take up positions. Um, I think, and I think it comes up a little later, but this acknowledgement with Visa One specifically being there, mm -hmm. um, like the existence of the Free Hawk Bajir colony is a slap in the face. Is mm -hmm. again, it's like we were saying before about. How freeing is it? What does it mean to a to a Hawkbajir still forced to be a controller to see free Hawkbajir? Mm -hmm. And like that need to crush out this resistance mm -hmm. in uh, the Vissa's mind. Because like as if their existence is a spike to him personally. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, we know like, he's a fucking egomaniac. Mm -hmm. Um. And just like, yeah, now nah, I'm going to show everyone what happens when you try to escape us. This cannot mm -hmm. be allowed to exist. Mm -hmm. Which explains uh, his choice of morph when he shows up. Yeah. The fucking yeah. extra bitch that he is. Mm -hmm. um, I say like I don't love every fucking second of his dramatic <laughs> bitch existence. Because <laughs> I don't. Um, He's fucking mm -hmm. ridiculous. He is. Great. Uh, so the campers are also here and ready for war, and Jake kind of gives uh, uh, some instructions. Move anyone who's hit up behind the boulders. Anyone who's killed on the field will have to leave until later, until after. And uh, the Trekkie Richard comes up to Jake and is like, uh, when you say killed, you mean... <laughs> Killed as in stunned or captured, right? And Jake's like, no, I mean killed as in dead. <laughs> and uh, this man who clearly did not really understand what was at stake here 
freaks the fuck out. Um, yeah, reality uh, slams into place for Mr. Carpenter right now. Yep. Uh, he tries to call his kids down from the, the platforms in the trees where they are ready to fight. Um, and it tries to get them to, like, get down from there. We're leaving right the fuck now. And Jake's like, first of all, you can't leave. Uh, but you can go, like, up back behind the lines and you'll probably be safer there. And meanwhile, his kids are just like, we're not leaving. The, they, these people need our help. Um, and I'm over here like something, something, it's children all the way down. Huh. Um. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, it, the Animorphs go into their battle morphs. The, the Yurks are upon them. Um. And and they're just waiting for them to get close enough to fight. Um, and this chapter, as we move into the action, is so well written. As we were saying mm -hmm. before about Ellen Giroux doing writing an action scene, yeah, it's also incredibly atmospheric. Mm -hmm. How like mm -hmm. it's just it's dawn, there's mist, right, and it's so quiet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And just these um, Hawkbridgeia controllers coming out of the woods. At first, we see um, one. Oh no! First, it's just a, a, a armed uh, Hawkbridgeia leading this group in, and then this more of them move into the space. This small one moves in, and Jake recognizes it as being the free Hawkbridgeia. Um, and Jake, in thought speak, is like warning everybody to steady. Because their weapons are only really good for close range. Um, mm -hmm. And there's this moment where it's just like, hold. And for a second, it looks like they might have gotten away with it, that they've been quiet enough because the newly invested Hawkbogier um, messages that, that everyone's gone. But uh, the chance that maybe they'd get away with not fighting is abruptly gone because... Uh, that uh, newly invested Hawkbogier spots something in the trees, mm -hmm. and so Jake, uh, so Jake calls the attack. Yep. Uh, it is a very quick and fierce battle uh, that that follows. The animorphs jump into it like they always do. The free Hawkbogier are. Uh, firing these spears from the trees, um, jumping from the trees onto the backs of the enemy. Um, they, there's that moment that Jade mentioned before where they, where Jake grabs the small hork um, who, uh, the newly infested, the free hork grabs him, drags him back behind the line, and two hork are waiting there with restraints. They would take him to Marco's parents, tending the wounded, hold him, hide him, hope that in the end they could starve the yerk from his head. And then he just dives back into the battle. Um, and then there's a really weird moment where the blue band Hortbegir seem to be retreating. And Jake knows that something is not right here. Like, this is too easy. Um, and... The, the free hork are like starting to celebrate a victory. Um, 
but Jake knows that this this isn't the end. And right on time, uh, Visser One appears in a morph he Jake hasn't seen since all of this first began. Eight fire-breathing heads, legs thick as trees, serpentine necks, eyes like gobs of molten lava. The creature with a thing for the number eight, uh, which is the very first, um, well, this very second thing they ever saw the Visser morph. This is the morph that uh, he used on their first infiltration to the Yerk pool when they tried to rescue Tom and Cassie. Um, and Visser uh, 3 is here, and with him, just a swarm of taxons. Um, Jake calls for everybody to resume their positions. Visser 1 says, surrender or die. Uh, the battle continues. Cut to Isaiah. Um, uh, Christmas morning, the Confederates are here. Um, it seems to be a small force in the trees, the same as yesterday. And like Jake just had a bad feeling about the battle he was in, Isaiah has a very bad feeling that something is not right with this. Why aren't there more than there were yesterday? Um, why, like, this, this isn't right. Um, and, but, you know, they have to go and meet them in battle. So they, they kind of line up for this frontal attack. Um, and too late, uh, Isaiah realizes that, um, this is not the only rebel force that is attacking. They are also coming up over the, uh, what they thought were impenetrable hills to their sides um because uh they're they're just like riding their horses over these really really steep hills um and <sighs> Isaiah calls for Jacob to leave um he says, like, listen, you've, you've proved yourselves. Just go save your people. It's your duty as a leader. Jacob seems like he's going to listen to Isaiah. Um, but none of the other black men are really listening to his call for retreat. Uh, and then suddenly, um, the rebels are here climbing over the craggy rock to the east and west. Um, basically just hemming the Union soldiers in entirely. Um, and Jacob is like, nope, we're going to be staying. Uh, and he does get this really great line. Um, Lieutenant, the Lord may take me whatever he chooses, but I choose whether to die a free man fighting for what's mine or a coward enslaved by fear. Um, which is, uh, it is the sentiment that the Hork-Bajir espouse, right? This is, this is the, mm -hmm. the crux of the, the comparison that the writer is trying to draw here. Um, is you, you have to make a stand and fight, even if you know you're going to lose, because the alternative is to just keep running. And that's not 
a way to live. Um, and the battle starts again, and Isaiah is shot. Um, and as he is dying there on the battlefield, he is apparently simultaneously writing the last words in his journal, as we'll see at the very end of this book. Um, and also you watching Jacob. Somebody, it, just, mm, the commitment to journaling <laughs> that he's never done before. It was a Christmas gift from his mother. His mother, who's like, he, he's like, why would I want to remember anything that's happening in this war? And she's like, one day you'll be older and you'll want to remember. And <laughs> with that reasoning, it's why he's writing as he's dying. I... Anyway, um, more importantly, he also sees Jacob get shot and go down. Um, uh, they both fall. They're both dying. Um, you as a reader start to get really worried about Jake and Toby and the fight that's happening back in our time. Uh, because parallels. Um, and so we cut to Jake to, uh, get the rest of this battle. Um, it's going poorly. Uh, the taxons, uh, are gross. Um, and Jake yells to Tobias, tell Axe to let loose the water because Axe is just waiting up by the dam for the signal to, uh, break the dam down and let loose all of this water that they've been building up the entire day, basically, and night. <clears throat> And, uh, no one answers him. Or, or Tobias doesn't answer him. He's not sure if Tobias can't hear him, if Tobias is dead, if Tobias does actually pass on the information. Um, Jake starts to call for the retreat. Um, you know, tries to tell everyone that the water's coming. Um, but he, even though he's not sure if Axe even got the message. Um, and as he's kind of running through the battle that he blames himself for, he's like, the battle was a mess and I was responsible. Why? Because, again, we, I think we've encountered this before, like, I think with Cassie, mm -hmm. like, people who hold themselves responsible for things and, yeah. like, mm -hmm, the kind mm -hmm. of... It's interesting because we were talking before about how he isn't egotistical. But yeah. also the act of blaming oneself for stuff that isn't your fault is a form yeah. of egotism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but because he sees he's trapped now in this role of the general, of the leader, mm -hmm. any mm -hmm. battle he's on the field of, he sees as his responsibility. Yeah. Um, but Visser One is here. He's flinging fireballs left and right. Tobias appears. Uh, and like just kind of dives at the creature's heads to, to help distract him. Um, but, uh, it doesn't take long before he's just kind of hit out of the air. Um, we do get the good moment of Jake screaming Tobias no, which yep. shout out to the Tobias Jake shippers. <laughs> um, and Tobias is hit, hurled into the trees. Uh, the Visser continues to go after Hork-Bajir, um, 
And Jake sees no other choice but to attack, so he just runs up and grabs hold of one of the heads of this monster. Um, <clears throat> because as long as he's right next to the, this head, the Visser can't shoot him with a fireball, because he'd hit himself. Um, <clears throat> but the other heads can bite him. Um, and it, it, you know, it's just this obviously extremely fucking painful thing where, where Jake is just trying to keep the Visser's attention off of the hork long enough that any of them can possibly escape. Um, and <clears throat> he loses his grip, falls to the ground, um, struggles to get up, but is trapped by the Visser, who, uh, closes two of his eight hands around Jake's neck and is about to breathe a fireball directly into his fucking face, um, and does, uh, but in that same instant, uh, the water is here and sweeps, uh, sweeps through the valley, uh, knocks Jake away from the viscer. There's an intense moment where he's trying to swim and catch hold of something so that he isn't just washed away. And the viscer is trying to get him so he can take Jake down. Um, meanwhile, uh, Jake manages to get hold of a tree with his claws, manages to avoid the viscer's tentacles. Um, enough that, uh, the viscer just is washed away and Jake is left behind. Um, and, uh, eventually the water subsides. Um, and he's just standing in mud. He drags himself back to the, the camp. Um, I love the visual of the subsiding water and he sees mm -hmm. like Rachel uh, in Grizzly Morph who's been protecting a, a little, a young hawk who would have got mm -hmm. swept away otherwise. And it's just mm -hmm. a really wonderful callback to why Rachel does this or yes. why Rachel first made that choice, which is to protect children. Mm -hmm. Even aside the part where she is also a child. Mm -hmm. um, but just like that visual is very good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tobias um, is fine. Yep. All of the Animorphs are alive. Um, Hurt, but alive. Yep. Uh, there are a lot who didn't make it, and uh, Mr. Carpenter the Trekkie uh, died. Um, he, he appears to be the only of the Trekkies, Trekkies that died, um, which is sad and unfortunate. Um, but I'm just gonna read this last chapter. The aftermath of battle. I heard sobbing up on the hill. Emily sat with her hands covering her face. Louis stared at his sister, blank-faced and lost. Tobias and Cassie had broken the news. I wouldn't have known what to say. Toby had a diagonal slash across her chest and blood dripping from her fingers, but she was seeing to her people, comforting, commending, explaining that it was time to leave the valley, at least for a while. Marco's parents acted as the primary medics, tying tourniquets and organizing the uninjured to help the wounded. Those warriors too hurt to walk were dragged in stretchers made of branches, bark, and rope. Everyone mourned the dead, but the colony knew it had to move out quickly. Now that the trees had burned, Visser One might be back with bugfighters. He might be mad enough to risk detection. 
It would be a long and painful march up and out of the valley and into the hills. I pulled Toby away from her preparations. You know they'll be back. Not today, but soon. She nodded. I know, Jake, but we won today. It may not feel like victory, but the valley is ours now. Forever. We've paid for it. She took a deep breath. We'll stay away until the war is over. We know we have to. We had our chance to fight for freedom. That's all we really wanted. Toby, I said softly, I don't know how the world, how the war will end. No, but it will. And someday, she hesitated. She knew as well as I that if the Yerks won out, she and the other free hork would be enslaved. I finished her thought for her. Someday, I said, you'll be able to return. She looked at me, eyes full of hope. After the free hork headed out of the valley, Marco and his parents leading the way, I flew to Cassie's farm, demorphed and walked home in the early afternoon sun. Tobias had promised that by the time I got to my house, the chi covering for me would be gone. Just. My parents and Tom would know nothing. I was shaking and weak by the time I reached the front door. Yes, I was hungry and tired, but it was more than that. I slipped quietly in through the front door. Mom, Dad, and Tom were in the backyard, hanging by the grill. I headed for the basement. It was dark and quiet. I felt safe there, among the boxes of accumulated memories. Memories of times and battles past. I flipped to the last page of Fitzhenry's journal. Hooves trampling the dirt all around. Screams and wails of bloody dying men. Unending nightmare. Cannot get a full breath. Numbness spreading down my arm. Vision blurring. Growing narrow like a field glass. A darkening tunnel. Jake, honey, lunch is ready. I jumped. Mom's voice had startled me. Coming, Mom, I called. I'll be right there. You'd better, Tom yelled down the stairs, or I'll eat your burger. I looked at the diary's last words, where blood and rain had smeared the ink. I fear I am killed. I hope I have done my best. I hope. Those were the last legible words. Fitzhenry had tried and lost. How would my last page read? How would my story end? I hope I have done my best. Yeah, I whispered, closing the book. Me too. And, uh, that's where the book ends. Um, mm-hmm. it is, it, there really is a theme of uh, hope in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the beginning we talk about how it really seems like Jake has lost all hope and he's extremely pessimistic about how everything will turn out. Going into the battle here at the Valley. Um, he doesn't see any possible way for them to survive. Um, he thinks that they're all going to die. Um, and yet they come through. And at the end, he offers a little bit of hope to Toby. He says the thing that she needs to hear in order to maintain her own hope. Um, and here we have at the very end, I hope I have done my best. I hope. Um, and uh it recalls to me Elfangor's last words and his, in mm-hmm. his Heractalest. Um because uh you know he he his one legacy to the free peoples of the galaxy is hope. 
Um, and that's what the kids represent for humanity is hope of freedom, hope of actually winning the war. And, uh, it, it sure has me feeling some kind of way. Mm -hmm. I think something we've briefly mentioned before in a previous episode um is even if uh it's about like uh, fighting for the people that will be left after uh-huh um um uh, why you it's that fighting for other people just like even if jake jake is talking about hope here but even if he doesn't have much for himself anymore, he can have hope for others and he doesn't want to take other people's hope away from them. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause he doesn't want Toby to be in the same state he is in. Yeah. And uh, if one was feeling particularly tragic, um, you could say like how hollow in a way him saying, I mm -hmm. hope I've done my best when all throughout the book, we've seen him not really having much hope at all. Mm hmm. And the sadness of that. Mm -hmm. um, but also, like, like you say, the glimmer, just like the one thing he can exercise hope for is that he is doing what he can. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't hope I come out of this war alive. I don't hope that I get to go back to the life I had before. I just hope that I've done what I can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Because it's, it's um, a tragedy. It's a tragedy. It sure fucking is. It's like there's there's a lot I don't really like about this book. Um, yeah. No. Same. But I think, I think mm -hmm. one, please. Uh, I think there is a good through line here, mm. if you look for it. Of, yes. Um, you know, Jake is still like, even though he's accepted as the leader by a lot of people, and a lot of people just listen to his orders un almost unquestioningly um like he is still just a kid who's trying his best to do what he can to save as many people as he can um and he has been beaten down so much by this war that he is a shadow of his former self that he has basically no hope. Um, it's, it, it's, I think even at the end of book one, I'll have to look this up now at the end of book I've one, got it open. <laughs> he calls, cause he calls Tom at the end. Um, and he tells him, don't give up. Don't ever give up. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, in a way, is a kind of hope. Mm -hmm. um, it's a it's a a spiteful, like 
a bloody fingernails and split lips kind of hope, but it's still it's still a a hold on there will be an end kind of hope. Um and and that's go. sort of like the crux of it, just looking at the last line of the first book and where mm-hmm. Jake is now at the end of book forty seven in the same place which is we fight it because mm-hmm. he could leave he this kid who is fighting in this war that has robbed so much from him but he's still mm-hmm. fighting in it mm-hmm. until then we fight it until the war is over yeah 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 it's the animorphs don't take their own advice really <laughs> mhm <laughs> uh you know they're they're all uh arguing for the horkbajir to to leave mm-hmm. and they're they just kind of fail to recognize that the horkbajir are in the mm-hmm. same boat as as the humans are in a lot of ways um yeah. there are they really so some... different after all they're not <laughs> yeah there's something very uh well it's like that whole thing isn't it like um help you have to save yourself before you can save other people Mm -hmm. like the whole thing with like putting on your oxygen mask in a plane Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and for the kids it's like no 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 you get off the sinking boat first (laughs) you can still get off the sinking boat yes we have we have it, tied ourselves to this sinking boat. Yes, we yeah, could nah. theoretically untie ourselves, but it's fine. You go. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, but and that's what it is. Though. They're choosing to be there. Mm-hmm. Even if they don't feel like they have much of another choice, they do at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And that through line, like you're saying, of hope, of agency, and even in spite of not having hope Mm -hmm. or having it to a various degree, still making the choice. Mm -hmm. Like, even if you have nothing else, you have the belief that at least you think you're doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a, there's a, there's a ribbon of good shit here. Mm -hmm. It's just this book. And it isn't even like lots of bad stuff. There's small elements wrong. And I think the core framing structure of yeah. this book, the choice to have this split narrative, is frustrating rather than it is mm-hmm. bad. Yeah. Just having it this late in the game is just, it, just, it feels like a wasted opportunity when we could spend more time with yes. Jake. But part yeah. of me is like, because we're so close to end game, we can't spend too much time because otherwise we have to commit too much to exploring character beats mm. because the A plot is happening over the course of what? Hours? <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, but let us, let us do our rankings and our ending questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, plot out of ten. Uh, a plot, like uh, an eight. Mm. Yeah, I'd um, say so. Agreed. Pretty. I think it's pretty good. Uh, you know, there are some holes in it, but overall, it's a it's a good tight story. 
Um, uh, it is definitely hampered by just this whole entire other story interleaved with it. Um, uh, but I think otherwise it's, it's a strong plot. Mm. Um, characterization. I'd say it's pretty fucking good. Yeah, it's Um, pretty decent. It's compelling. Um, I feel like, especially because we were the, there's this split narrative we don't see much of the kids, of the other mm-hmm. kids. We have these brief mm-hmm. beats, and there is some good stuff in there, but there's also inconsistencies mm-hmm. and a bit flip-floppy for the sake of making the plot move along. Mm-hmm. But there are these lovely interactions, like, sprinkled throughout. Mm-hmm. So, and Jake is very good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, so I'd say what maybe a seven. Yeah, that's where I'd be too. Um, I think mm-hmm. uh, again, I I just I think it's so hampered by this narrative device that, mm-hmm. it, and and also it's hampered by the fact that whenever you have the children interacting with Horkbajir, mm-hmm. they say some god awful shit. Uh, mm-hmm. so you know that always just leaves a very bad taste in my mouth. Um. 10 out of 10 Toby characterization. Yes. Continue Love to Toby. Stand. Would die for her. Um, enjoyability slash satisfaction. It's low. Like, yeah. I feel like I've had to chisel out the bits I like for the most part mm-hmm. and really dig into the nooks and crevices to get the satisfying stuff out yeah um not to say there aren't aspects to enjoy and that there aren't things that are satisfying like we were just unpicking the Mm -hmm. the through line is great Mm -hmm. and i think it's a really important thing to address Mm -hmm. in this sort of war narrative Mm -hmm. um but like i didn't set the book down when i was finished yeah that was a good one it's more just frustrating in so yeah. many ways, more than anything else. I'd say like a five if I had to put a number on it. Because like... Yeah. It's, uh, there, were, I there are worse books. There are much worse books. I didn't dislike it. I was engaged while I was reading it. Um, yeah. But it's not I one that just, I'd be eager to pick up yeah. again. Yeah, I think the frustration's more than anything. As opposed to being a bad book. Yeah. It's sort of all like, the stuff here is good, or the stuff here that is good is not enough to to buoy it higher. Mm-hmm. All right. Um favorite part. Uh I think my favorite part was just that moment of after Jake draws the line in the sand, uh mm-hmm. when every when all of the Hork-Bajir just go over to stand with Toby. Um mm-hmm. Because I don't like the fact that Jake is drawing the line in the sand, but I do like that image of just one by one, all of the Hork-Bajir going to stand together Mm -hmm. um, is very good. Uh, Yeah, it's pretty much the same for me. And also, I think that conversation between Toby and Jake at the end. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, them being on a level with each other, that understanding 
It's mm-hmm. just, it's good shit. It is. Yeah. Uh, did anything surprise you? I was not expecting the random group of Trekkies to, to volunteer. <laughs> Gotta say. Mm-hmm. And the brutality of, I suppose the realism of this man realizing, and if his children weren't there, I think it would have been different. Mm-hmm. But it's that his children are there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, I think having that moment there and then having him die, though his children survive, and tracks for a kid's book. Um, <laughs> but I think that was a powerful little thing to have in there that I didn't expect to see. Yeah. How about you? Uh, not really. Like I mentioned earlier, like once again, we have me misremembering the way that this book was structured. Um, and I don't know if it's from a fic or not, uh, but Mm -hmm. I definitely remembered this book being more of like an active thing that Jake is reading Mm -hmm. and interacting with, uh, and like, bouncing off of um yeah but uh that's not what it is <laughs> so mm-hmm. that was disappointing not surprising disappointing <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh i th- i think we we talked about all the plot holes pretty well yeah i'd say so and i i think it is unfortunately essential animorphs reading uh the jake chapters are I think you could yeah. probably skip the Isaiah ones without. Yeah, you definitely anything. could. Yeah, if you if you just took all of those out, you would have a much shorter but much better book, frankly. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it, it's just <laughs> totally unnecessary padding. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. the The A plot doesn't lose anything for dropping the Isaiah stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Even even with the like little bits that are quoted in, in Jake tra- chapters, like you mm-hmm. don't need the context of Isaiah's what happens in his journal in order to get anything from those. Like, yeah, yeah, like you could have done something almost like, and this is going to be possibly one of the only times I frame it in a positive. But in the same way that we see like excerpts from the Helmicron logs during the Helmicron yeah. logs, we could get yeah. like a little tiny excerpt from Isaiah's mm-hmm, diary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That could have worked really effectively. Yeah, I think uh, it would have. But it ain't that. <laughs> nope, it's sure not. Uh yep. It's just it's just disappointing. Yeah. That's that's what it is. It's just disappointing. It's not bad. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Except I am kind of mad. <laughs> yeah. I think you're allowed to be both. Uh, I'm mad and disappointed. Uh, we were all and rooting for you. And that's book 47. <laughs> that's book 47. Uh, next time we'll read book 48. Although uh, in the PDF list that we have, um, and in the publish order, the Elemist Chronicles is technically next. However, I did not read the Elemist Chronicles until the end of the series. Uh, and I think it's better that way um, for reasons. Um, so we're just going to go straight to 48. 
uh, which is sure a book. Oh, and no. and sure is Rachel's last POV book. Uh, what the fuck is this cover? I yep. hate this. Yep. I hate this. Yep. Oh no. Mm-hmm. Oh no! I just read the fucking short bit uh-huh. at the top. Oh uh-huh. no! Yeah, guys, I'm gonna be so <laughs> shouty. I'm gonna be so shouty. You you really are. You're yep. Oh no. <laughs> Oh no! Uh-huh. Do I do I read the fucking caption on the front of this book to give our poor re- our poor listeners a clue what to psych themselves up for? Our 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 listeners can look up the cover themselves if they okay. so desire to to spoil the surprise. <laughs> I'm so fucking mad already. God, <laughs> it's not a PDF. good book. Cool. I could tell from the premise <laughs> that it probably weren't gonna be. But yeah, yeah, cool. it is good to know that they're gonna fuck something that could be interest could have been interesting. Yeah, it. Uh, it, it is. I am uh, chronically angry at uh, the fact that Rachel doesn't get like a good book. Uh, here at the end of all things, like. Rachel there hasn't is had a good book for a too long is the problem. I know. Yes, exactly. And like there are some interesting things said about Rachel's character, but the like the plot is such a mess that I think it really detracts mm-hmm. from it. And this is this is going by memory. I've only read it once. Um so we'll see, maybe it will surprise me uh and the characterization will shine, but I don't expect it to. Um so, right. uh, my, my co-host has been Jade. Uh, fine, <laughs> Damn, you got that first. Fine, <laughs> fine. <laughs> my unsuspecting co-host has been Jade. Uh, <laughs> you can find them on the internet at Jade Oxford Rose. Uh, you can find their home podcast, uh, Follow the Leader, at FTLcast on Twitter. Uh, they just uh, posted the first arc of their Year of Boundless Wonder. Um, FTL presents. They're doing some really cool stuff. They they just finished up an arc of Pathfinder, I believe. Next, they're doing an arc of Monster of the Week. Um, That's for Patreon. Oh, sign up to word. our Patreon. Sign up for their Patreon. Their Patreon has some really good shit, including a really awesome <laughs> game that Jade and I did. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, there's some there's some amazing stuff all the time over at FTL. They're always doing cool things. They're always doing just the best stuff in characterization. They're always doing just the most interesting kind of settings and storytelling. Highly recommend uh, all of their stuff. Um, Go check it out. And my co-host, my sneaky, devious co-host with very fast reactions, (laughs) uh, has been Danielle. You can find them on the internet at RedtailedHawk90. And you should go over to RedtailedHawk90.itch.io to follow them so you can get an email when Idiot Teenager with a Death Wish uh, version 2 goes live because that shit is incredible. 
and you are going to want to play it with your friends. You can also find their home podcast, The Room Where It Happened, at RoomwarePod on Twitter. Their current season, uh, Elder County, Tennessee, is urban. Sh- they're playing Urban Shadows. It's all set in Appalachia. There is a faction game that has to be heard to be believed. <laughs> and just, this is a group of people that care deeply about story and you will have just such a great time going along on their journeys with them. Uh, so do check it out. Yeah. Also, Danielle um, plays a buff werewolf lady. <laughs> yes. Uh, she gets to go a little feral as a treat. Um. Love that for her. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But until next time, dear listeners, uh, look after yourselves, look after each other. And uh, try to hold on to hope where you can. Word. All right, let's do a clap. 45? 45.